Well, happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen again. Welcome back to the Powell Butte Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast, the Easter edition. This is Pastor Trey Hinkle um, coming to you at uh, 4 a.m., getting ready for our sunrise service on Easter Sunday, April 9, 2023. And we're blessed to be able to uh, preach to you today. So grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Today's a very exciting day for Christians. I, I didn't realize how much the world might not have actually known about the excitement that we have until, oh, I don't know, about 35 years ago or so. Um, I was ministering at a church in Napa, California, and it was a fairly large church, and right across the street was a filling station and a 7-Eleven. It was not the best time health-wise for me because I was always at the 7-Eleven eating stuff I should not have. But after a uh, long Easter day, um, including a sunrise service and a couple of um, preaching times, my senior pastor, a guy named Ron, who has gone on to be with Jesus, um, he he had uh, stopped off at the gas station to go get filled up. The attendant there said, was just kind of chit-chatting, and he said, hey, so how's your d- day been going so far? And Ron says, well, it's been pretty busy. Oh, really? Uh, the attendant says, so what have you been doing? He goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher. I, I preach over at the church across the street. He goes, oh, okay. Uh, and, and Ron says, you know, well, it's Easter, of course, and so that's, that means it's a busy day. And the, the station attendant actually said to Ron, oh, uh, is Easter a big deal to you guys over there? Is Easter a big deal? <laughs> you bet it is. In fact, the Apostle Paul told us that in one of his letters to the church there in Corinth that without what happened on Easter Sunday over 2,000 years ago, then what we are doing each and every week, what we have put our faith in, it's all misguided and it's totally useless. So we are happy to be celebrating this morning, and we're happy that you are tuning in as well because we hope that our excitement fills your heart as well. To be honest, as I was trying to put together the message for this weekend, it it hit me how mundane and how routine the Easter story may have become to some people. Uh, For me, it it was very difficult on Monday to try to put some thoughts together because for preachers, it's we're always trying to find a new angle. I called my dad up to see what he would tell me, what advice he would give me. He's still a preacher down in Southern California, and he was going to be preaching an Easter sermon today. And he said, well, I guess you can uh, get up there and yawn and then say, you know, uh, we need to go from yawn to yahoo. And I, I thought, well, I'll do you one better, Dad. I think that we need to go from yada, yada, yada to yabba dabba Now, if you think through some of the greatest moments in history, you might think of uh, D-Day or V-Day in World War II. You might think of the Emancipation Proclamation. You might think of the moon landing. You, you might think of the fall of the Berlin Wall. But as you go through all of these events that have shaped our culture, events that have shaped world history, you have to come to grips with the idea that there has been nothing at all greater than the resurrection of Jesus, the one that they called Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth from the dead. Now, maybe you, you don't feel the same way that I do about the resurrection. Maybe you don't have the faith that I do in the resurrection. And if you are listening in today and that's you, I would challenge you to pay attention, to maybe see this event with new eyes this morning. I challenge you not to underestimate the significance of the claim that Jesus rose from 
the dead. Now, for those of us who are believers, it is important for us to view the resurrection with a proper perspective. It's not just a doctrine of the church. What Paul says there in in his letter to the Corinthians is it is the doctrine of the church. You see, if Jesus had stayed dead, if God did not accept his sacrifice on the cross, then God's plan to redeem mankind, which is to buy us back from the penalty of our sin, it didn't work. If there had been no lifting of the Son of God from the grave, then there would be no lifting of the curse that sin had brought into this world. So in the scope of things, I would say that that makes the resurrection pretty important. Now, if you were listening in last week, you would remember that the focus that we had was on the cross. Jesus had been arrested as he was praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The religious leaders had led him through a series of fake trials, and then because they weren't allowed by Roman law to put anyone to death, they brought him before the Roman governor, a man named Pilate, and they falsely accused Jesus of insurrection. Now, Pilate found nothing wrong in in Jesus, nothing uh, that would merit the death penalty, but uh, to appease the crowd, Jesus was then, he had Jesus beaten and scourged and mocked. He was spit upon and then crucified. And for those who had put their faith in this long-awaited Messiah, this long-anticipated Messiah, the world became very, very dark because it seemed pretty final. Their hopes dashed in the death of their master. And for all they knew, for all anyone knows, when you're dead, you're dead. I, I was a child of the late 60s, early 70s, and I... I grew up watching Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. And this was the old school Sesame Street where you had Gordon and Susan and Bob and Linda and Luis, but you had Mr. Hooper. Now, Mr. Hooper was an old man who ran the grocery store there on Sesame Street. And he was played by an old man who uh, eventually died. And so the producers of Sesame Street had to figure out a way of expressing this to their audience primarily millions of children. So they consulted their child psychologists, and the child psychologists say, well, you can't say that he got sick and died because, well, kids get sick. And if Mr. Hooper got sick and died and the kids got sick, they would be afraid that they would also die. You can't say that Mr. Hooper got old and died because then kids would see their grandparents or their parents being old, and they would fear that they were, were going to die as well. So they just said, well, you know what, he, he's gone. He died, and he is gone. Now, Big Bird was a part of this whole way of expressing this to the kiddos. and that they had The script had Big Bird forgetting something and bringing it to Mr. Hooper's store. But Luis, who was now running the store, tells Big Bird, Big Bird, remember, Mr. Hooper died. And Big Bird said, oh, yeah, I forgot. Well, when he comes back, I'm going to give this to him. But Luis said, Big Bird, when somebody dies, they don't come back. For the disciples of Jesus, it was over. Because when somebody dies, they don't come back. Not like this. Not after days. Now, I know that there have been some people who have come back, who have been resuscitated after several minutes with no brain activity, or several hours with no brain activity or heartbeat. But these guys have waited perhaps two full days, depending on how you actually count the Passover and the the Sabbath day that year. It wasn't until that regular Sabbath was over 
at the crack of dawn on Sunday that the women could even get to the body that had been laid in the borrowed tomb so that they could prepare it for burial with the spices and the oils that they had prepared. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise." And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what happened. So you see, the story doesn't end at the cross. The story doesn't end even in the tomb. Like Paul Harvey's radio spots, there's a rest of the story. Easter, first and foremost, means that Jesus lives. He did not stay dead. He conquered the grave and opened the way to paradise for you and me. His death paid our penalty. And God accepted his sacrifice. So he lives. He lives. So what? Now, I know that sounds harsh, but for many people, just because Jesus lives, well, that makes really no difference to their life. They don't see the connection uh, for their own lives. And so this morning, I want to point out some ramifications, some consequences of that truth, the truth of the resurrection. Because there are things in this world Things in our experience that are true because he lives. First, because he lives, we know that Jesus keeps his promises. We read there in verses 6 and 7, He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. You see right there, the angel reminds the women of what Jesus had said to them regarding his death and resurrection. In fact, later on, Jesus would say, no one takes my life from me. I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to take it back up. That's what he said as recorded in John chapter 10, verse 18. You see, Jesus' life wasn't taken from him tragically. No, this was not a miscarriage of justice. No, Jesus actually chose to be obedient to the Father's will and to give his life as a sacrifice, as a ransom for many. Now, this is something he knew would happen. And he told his disciples it was going to happen. And just like he said that he was going to die, he told them that he would rise again. It was a promise. In church, Jesus keeps his promises. Now, I know this is hard for some, to, for some people to believe. People have prayed for things, trusted God to to get them through difficult times, but things did not work out exactly how they wanted them to work out. So their perspective is that God didn't keep his promise. 
God didn't come through for them. What I've experienced is that it may not be in our timing or in our will, but God has promised to be faithful, and God can be trusted to keep his promises. Now, he comes through in a way that sometimes astounds us, but as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, God will always work together for good, the things that he purposes, because he's faithful. God does not lie. When God promises it, God comes through. Jesus keeps his promises. And because he lives, we know that. Number two, because he lives, we know that he will never have to die again. Church, we do not live, I'm sorry, we do not serve a buried Savior who's in the ground today. That's not the song that we sing. Go to the tomb in Jerusalem. Guess what, you're, guess what you won't find? A body. This is what we read of in Romans chapter 6. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And in Revelation one eighteen, Jesus proclaimed, I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. For those here this morning who have never put their trust in Jesus, a scriptural truth that we studied last week tells us that Jesus is alive and he is at the right hand of God the Father right now. And you know what he's doing? He's praying for you. He's praying for you. That's why it's so important to know that because he lives, he won't ever have to die again. No dead Savior can stand in the gap for you. The Bible says that Jesus always lives to make intercession, to be a go-between for us because he lives and will never die again. Number three, because he lives, God has declared you righteous. Oh, don't laugh. It's true. If you've received the gospel, if you're trusting in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has declared you righteous. Yeah, I know you laugh. I know because... We know who we are. We know what we do. We know what we've done. Righteous? Are you kidding me? Not me. We we have a a room full of lawbreakers at church every week. This you know, today gathered in churches all over the globe are going to be people who have gone against God's moral law. Now, how do I know this? Well, first of all, because I'm a sinner. I know my heart. I know that I don't always do what God wants me to do. So I I know that we're all sinners because I'm a sinner. And secondly, because the Bible declares in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And again, for the Greek scholars, that word in the original Greek that we translate as all is a word that means all, everyone. Where does that leave us? Well, the reality of having a just and righteous God is that my sin, your sin, sin will either be judged by God or it's going to be forgiven by God. The good news of the Gospels, the the good news of the Bible is that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice as the payment. And so when he sees the one who has put his faith in the son who is the sacrifice, God sees no sin. God sees his son. 2 Corinthians 5 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God declares us righteous. So when the devil comes accusing you, 
When your own heart continues to declare your guilt, God, whom John says is bigger than our hearts and whom Paul says is greater than he that is in this world, God looks at your life through the lens of the cross and simply says, righteous, dude. Now, what does this mean? Well, if you are with us, or if you're listening to us today and maybe you're not a believer yet, consider that this morning may very well be a divine appointment. It may very well be that God has drawn you here and he knows the baggage that you're carrying in life, the hurts, the grudges, the mistakes, the guilt. The good news for you is that when Jesus went to the cross, he had those burdens laid on him. And when he rose from the dead, those burdens were not on him anymore. They were gone. They didn't come back. Number four, because he lives, there's no stone too great in your life that he cannot roll away. The women that morning, we read it in Mark's gospel account, were wondering who was going to roll the stone away. It was a massive stone that would have served as protection from wild animals and thieves. It was also guard, guarded heavily so that no one could fake a resurrection. The stone was huge. It was a huge obstacle. But that stone serves as a great illustration of the things, the stuff, the burdens that we carry around still in our lives today. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul prays that the power that raised Jesus from the dead would be alive and at work in your life as well. And what that means is that when you come to Jesus and bring him into your life through faith, your life no longer has to be defined by your burdens. There is no longer any need to live with discouragement and disillusionment. You don't have to be lonely or feeling abandoned. There's even a way for you to turn from your sinful lifestyle and let God's power, the power of his Holy Spirit, transform you recreating you the way that God designed for you to live, victorious over sinful habits and addictions that you sell yourself so readily to. See, Paul is not just talking about a power to change you in your future, in eternity. He speaks of that power at work in your life available today because there is no stone in your in your life that he cannot move. Like we read of in a, in a book by the author Max Lucado, he still moves stones. I would highly recommend that book. And speaking of moving stones, lastly, number five, because he lives, he is our guarantee of our own resurrection. Because he lives, we also will live. In the most famous verse in the New Testament, and maybe even in the whole Bible, Jesus tells a man named Nicodemus, who has come to see him at night for fear of his peers, and Jesus tells him about new life. He promises Nicodemus, and remember what we've learned about Jesus' promises, he promises Nicodemus that because God loved the world by giving his son as a sacrifice, that whoever believes in the Son of God will not perish. Perish means to die, but have everlasting life. You see, because Jesus lives, then the way has been opened for us to live as well. And Though life, even for those who have faith, still is difficult, hardships still happen, we experience pain, we know that even the worst trial we could ever imagine going through, 
even that pain will vanish in the light of eternity. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Because he lives, Easter has power. Because he lives, we can get excited and be filled with joy. See, when we speak about the resurrection of Jesus in our lives, there there is a power in that resurrection. There's a power in who Jesus is. There's a power in his authority. Jesus defeated death, and he's made a way for you and I not to just go to heaven one day, but to be made right with our creator today so that we might change and overcome the parts of us that we hate. This is the power of because he lives. Now, again, maybe you are listening to this podcast and you stumbled upon it. You didn't mean to listen to it. It's, it's an Easter sermon and you've, you, you recognize that you've teetered throughout your life, not knowing what you really believe. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now, a kind of a stirring Uh, if you will, uh, maybe a chaotic stirring, if you will, that's actually bringing you to a place where you are now wondering, you're seeking, you're hoping, you're longing for something, something more. Could it be, could it be that you're looking for life? As we close, I want you to look back at that one verse, the one intriguing thing that the angels ask the women there at the tomb. Verse 5. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Of course, the angels were referring to Jesus, but you can ask the same question today. Could it be that up to now you've been looking for the living, that you've been looking for life in the wrong places? Could it be that you've been looking for the living among the dead, the the rotting ways of the world that promise so much, but in the end wind up stealing your joy and your whole and your soul? Jesus died and was raised to life so that you could experience the life that God intended for you. In fact, Jesus said clearly in John 10.10, I have come that you may have life and have life to the full, more and better life in one translation as it says, more and better life than you have ever dreamed of. This morning you can come to a place where your old self can die with your sins there at the cross. You can even step into the waters of baptism as a sign that the old has been put to death And that through the Spirit of God, because of the resurrection of Jesus, you also can walk in newness of life forever. The decision is yours. And if you uh, would like to talk with somebody regarding that decision, please contact us at the church or contact a church in your neighborhood. You can always reach me at Trey, T-R-E-Y dot P-B-C-C. That's Trey dot Powell Butte Christian Church, Trey dot P-B-C-C at gmail.com. I would love to pray with you and show you from God's word, what the next steps of your faith could be. Today can be the beginning of your resurrected life as well, for because he lives, you too can live. I want to thank you for joining us. It's a little bit shorter sermon today, but the message is still one of the most powerful that we could ever say. God loves you, and we love you, and we thank you uh, 
for tuning in. Thank you, Lisa Welly, for being our producer. Thank you, uh, Steve Pittman, for being our tech guru. And uh, thank you, God, for drawing us to you through your son. <laughs>